Breaking and Entering podcast goal is to help aspiring advertisers break into the industry by listening to success stories. In this episode, we speak with Tim Nudd. Tim Nudd is editor-in-chief of the Clio Awards, editor of Muse by Clio, and host of the podcast Tagline. Previously, he was creative editor at Adweek. Tim has covered creativity in advertising for many years and knows the difference between good and bad ads. I had to have him on this podcast after listening to Tagline, his podcast. Tim and I will speak about his work on Tagline where he dives into classic commercials and campaigns by talking to the people who made them. I may be biased, but listening to Breaking and Entering and Tagline consistently might be the recipe for a superstar career in the business. And I'm sure creativity is what led you to this podcast. Being creative for a living is something special. Muse by Clio is a publication that celebrates just that. Tim sent a list of resources that he's curated just for you. And to see those, you got to head to our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. And Chicago Portfolio School supports this episode. It's a one-year portfolio school option that produces books that some of the best agencies in the nation want to hire. So go check out the recent graduates books for yourself at chicagoportfolio.com. This is a really interesting episode with Tim and he'll share a lot about what goes on behind those superstar ideas and I'm excited for you to listen. Now on with the show. This is the breaking and entering advertising podcast and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schallenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Tim Nudd, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, I'm psyched. It's great to be with you, Gino. So you are the editor-in-chief of the Clio Awards and editor of Muse by Clio. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, I've been those things for almost four years now. And previous, you were at Adweek for a, a while, correct? I was. I did two tours of duty at Adweek. The first one was sort of late 90s to early 2000s. And then like I, I went back there. I always sort of did some work for them through the years. But yeah, I was the creative editor there from uh, 2010 to, to uh, 2018. And what have you covered throughout your career? You know, my first job out of college, uh, I was a journalist and, you know, I wanted to be a journalist in New York. So I moved to New York. Uh, my first job was working at a collection of oil and gas industry newsletters, which oh. I did that. I worked there for about three years and, you know, I met a bunch of folks that became lifelong friends, but it did not really do it for me in terms of the subject matter. You know, I mean, oil and gas is a huge story. It's probably, the you know, arguably the world's biggest story financially, but uh, I just, you know, I was always interested in, in creative work and creative people. So uh, as soon as I got to Adweek in 97, um, yeah, started writing ab- about advertising. And I've written really about creative advertising ever since with some detours here and there. I did some pop culture writing for People Magazine and others. But um, but yeah, it's been pr- primarily, you know, looking at creative advertising. And it's been such a fun industry to cover. You know, there's so many talented people in it. Um, so much interesting work being done. And, and yet at the same time, there's not a ton of media coverage of that work. So, you know, it's nice to be sort of, I guess, 
for want of a better phrase, like a bigger fish in a smaller pond. You know, like there's so yeah. much media coverage of creative industries like Hollywood and, and the music industry and all that stuff and gaming. Um, you know, I think marketing often gets kind of short shrift. Obviously, people, you know, people don't look up to advertising as much as they do to other things. So it's been a really wonderful little niche to sort of, you know, build my uh, my career around. I've been really grateful. Yeah. And and you're doing really well and you've been doing well. What were what was the first uh, campaign you might have covered in advertising? The, the very first. This is a funny story. Like the, the very first spot that I really got a chance to go deep on for for ad week was in 99 it was the guinness surfer commercial which is it's been at the top of so many lists of best ads ever and i know i think the british public voted it the best commercial ever made sometime in the in the 2010s so uh yeah it was one of those things you know like at the time we used to wait for the mail to arrive at ad week to be able to see the commercials this was like pre youtube and pre really wow. sort of any sort of streaming video so right, right. three quarter inch reels would arrive and we'd all sort of pile into the video room and we'd we'd check out the work and yeah i mean that was jonathan glazer obviously abbott mead vickers bbdo like amazing spot for guinness that's still one of my favorites and yeah i got to call up uh walter campbell and tom carty the creatives on that um I was sort of terrified at the time. I was like, you know, a young a young writer and had a great chat with with Walter in particular, who gave me all this sort of background on the spot. And it was really my first kind of foray into learning the backstory of, of these great ads, you know, which is something I'm still doing today. Oh, and you do a great job. I mean, the tagline podcast that you you've run it, you've been running. When did that start? Because that's basically what you do on this podcast. I listened to it. I saw it through Ad Weeks, mm -hmm. uh, best marketing podcast. It is like an ESPN. I, I read uh, Adweek say this, so I'm taking it from that. It's like an ESPN 30 for 30 behind some of the greatest campaigns. That was the, that? yeah. That was the sort of the the idea was you know let's go back. I mean the the genesis of that whole thing was uh, 2019 was the 60th anniversary of the Clio's, and so during that year we we were we were spending a lot of time looking back at classic work anyway, and so. Mm -hmm. My buddy Dave, who who writes for me uh, for Muse, uh, I had him sort of look look back at fifteen different campaigns and just speak to one person for each campaign. You know, so there were a lot of these going back to the seventies. Um, we even had someone, we even found someone who had worked on Hilltop, the old Coke ad, and oh, so no. we had one person per campaign for fifteen campaigns, just kind of tell us a little story about about making it. And I looked at these responses that we were getting, and. You know, so a lot of these stories like we'd never heard before or nobody had ever really heard before. Right. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to speak to more than one person per campaign? You know, pick a campaign and maybe speak to five people or 10 people and just everyone you could find who had uh, different roles in the creation, whether you're a creative director or uh, the talent or the editor or the director or even sometimes, you know, we, we'd speak to wardrobe people. And like, it's just, you know, going as deep as we can. Uh, on these classic spots, and you know they are old spots. So in some ways, the uh, the advertising world has changed since they've been made. But I think that in many of them, most of them, there's a lot of stuff that's still relevant to talk about. So uh, it took a, a year or so to sort of get the ball rolling on Tagline. Um, Taglinepodcast.com is where you can see it if you're not familiar with the Muse site. It's it's, it's also on, on the Muse site, of course. Uh, and yeah, we started it. Uh, 
we had a season one last year or this earlier this year. I'm not sure exactly when this will be airing, but yeah, March to to May of 2021 was when we uh, rolled out season one. We did really fun collection of spots. You know, we looked at the most interesting men in the world campaign for Dos Equis. We looked at Got Milk. Mm. We looked at Volkswagen's Little Vader. We looked at Like a Girl. Um, we looked at Under Armour Phelps and, and Motel 6. So a lot of interesting old campaigns that I didn't know a ton about. You know, I, I knew the sort of broad strokes of many of them. Right. Um, but just the details of how this stuff comes together is always fascinating to me. You know, and it's and, and one of the, one of the things that I find really interesting about it is, you know, it's not just the creative stories that are interesting. It's the client stories. It's the account stories. It's the strategies. Like exactly. everything that you know, everything that um, all the work that doesn't necessarily get the the attention of the creative community. That you know, some of these folks are the smartest folks working on the account. You know, bar none. So. Um, that's what I've found really fulfilling is sort of getting a, a more 360 view of, of how these things are made. And it's so interesting, uh, especially like from the the client side and the risks that I was listening to the Dosecchi's one uh, a couple days ago, like the risk that they had running the ad. And, you know, you really have to creativity takes uh, courage. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, the Dosecchi's is a great example of, you know, a client that wasn't sure whether it was going to work, you know, and uh, different constituencies within the client. There were actually two uh, brewers that they had to convince, you know, I had to get through Heineken, which was the distributor, but also CCM in Mexico, which was the owner mm -hmm. of that. Brand. And the owner, CCM, they were very, very uh, you know, suspect in terms of the creative. They looked at the scripts and they were like, what are you guys doing? You know, why are we even partnering with Heineken if they're considering this, this work? And you know, that's one example where luckily the work went into testing and performed spectacularly on the Millward Brown stuff. And right. they were able to sort of push it through because the CMO and CEO had you know, believed in it. But yeah, I mean, the client in that one, Willem Vanderhoven, he's he's mm -hmm. one of the best voices in season one. I mean, he's oh yeah. He's uh he's got a great view and he's just you know, he's all in on on risk taking uh, on the client yeah. side, which is, you know, of course what you want um, to, to make a difference. I'm reading here. I wrote down like the fight for creativity is a noble fight, but testing helps ease clients. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, the testing is what really uh, yeah. was able to help them push through once they saw how successful it was. Well, and, and these stories are more common than you would think. So I'm currently working on an episode for season two on Real Men of Genius, the, the Bud Light campaign. And it's a very similar story. And in fact, um, Andy Goler, who was the CMO of Bud Light at the time, he's, he's again now, he's back in that same role now. He, when he first heard the uh, DDB's first sort of finished spot, this was before he greenlit the campaign, they sent him a cassette and he had, he was playing it in his car after he landed one day from a trip and he, he hated it so much he literally threw the cassette out the window. No way. So here's one of the, you know, here's a campaign that would go on to be, you know, top five of all time on radio. Yep. And the client, you know, hated it at first and like didn't get it at first. And that happens too. So, you know, the client, you know, you have to have a, a partnership there where there's trust and eventually they, you know, they would go on to, you know, do some testing of, of the campaign in different markets. And of course, you know, the rest is history after that. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a wonderful uh, uncovering these case studies, you know, and the truth of these case studies versus what you actually see in an official case study. That's what's so wonderful. Like talking to Willem about the Dosecki's work, you know, you, you can get a sort of an unvarnished look at that because he's not with, you know, Heineken anymore. So you can sort of talk a little more freely mm -hmm. about it. So, 
Um, but yeah, these 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 stories are great, and like I said, they're not just creative stories; they're strategy stories, they're, they're account stories, they're business stories, and uh, you know, we, we try to make them uh, equal parts kind of insightful and entertaining. That's kind of the idea: is like to make them fun to listen oh, yeah. to, but also you learn something. Yeah, I also didn't realize because you know, just not being around, is the importance of the director of the commercial. I didn't realize how much weight that had into the creative process. So that was really interesting, especially for the, I believe it was the Volkswagen episode with the the force. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a, a big decision that they had to make between two pretty famous directors. For sure. I mean, you know, the, the director really brings their own vision to things and they, you know, in the, in the best case scenario, will elevate the concept, elevate the, the work for sure. I mean, uh, the Volkswagen one was interesting. That was Lance Accord who eventually directed that. And he was one of the few people who declined to chat with me about yeah. that, which, which was disappointing. But I chatted with many, you know, many directors, um, Steve Miller, who did the Dosecki's work, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Martin DeThera, who did the, the Under Armour Phelps spot. I mean, many, many of the directors are, are happy to chat. And for season two, we've got quite a few directors, uh, Andreas Nielsen, Epic Split, and, uh, you know, some others too. Um, it's been, you know, it's been amazing to, to chat with them too, because they're obviously, you know, they're executional, they're, they're, they speak in a film language, not necessarily the same creative language the agency folks have. And just what, what, what does it take to, to execute on these visions that, that these agencies come to them with? It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Why do you think for our audience, which is aspiring advertisers looking to break in, why would it be helpful for them to listen to tagline? I have my thoughts, but I want to hear from you. I think the the main reason it would be interesting for them is that it really takes these classic pieces of work kind of off the pedestal. I think when, you know, when campaigns are so sort of iconic, they can seem like unattainable. Like, oh, how could I ever, you know, how could I ever possibly dream something like that up? Like that's sort of not aspirational in any way. Like it's it's admirable, but like it's it's daunting. I think what these stories do is they explain that, you know, none of these campaigns arrived fully formed, really. I mean, they all came about through missteps and second chances and often just complete rethinks. So to me, that makes them more attainable, more aspirational, more inspiring uh, than, than they would, you know, than they were before. So I think uncovering sort of the, the nuts and bolts of the process kind of warts and all makes yep. advertising just seem more doable to people entering the business. And I think yeah. that's, to me, that's that's fascinating. There's all sorts of examples of campaigns that went on to be famous that in the in the early rounds of concepting, it was very different, you know, and it was not as good. Yeah. And all that refining, I mean, you know, it's the, the Bud Light one that we're working on now, you know, I managed to get a hold of some, some old demos of like when they were workshopping different voiceovers and different music and, you know, you realize when you hear the the alternates how great the finished product really was. So, yeah, I guess to me, it's like that's that's the thing that people coming into the business can take from this is like you don't have to be you don't have to hit the home run on the first pitch uh, in order to come up with a great you know a great campaign. Yeah, that's good advice in general. I love it, and I think if I were to recommend, I mean, I think. This per this podcast here, breaking and entering, is great to get you in the door to figure out how to land it, and then your podcast paired with it would be two great resources for all for for my audience. Definitely, absolutely, yeah, no doubt. 
I mean, you're, you know, you're very much focused on what folks coming into the business should be thinking about. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, my show is really about folks who have reached that level within the business, but then, you know, how did they do it? Like, how did right. they get to the, to the, to the, the point where they created something special and uh, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of luck and it's a lot of stars aligning. Um, but, you know, many of the, the, the episodes we've done, I think is interesting too, because it's, it shows you the the opportunities can really come from anywhere. You know, I'm thinking about like the the Johnny Walker, you know, Robert Carlyle film. Like that was that was not even supposed to be a public facing film. That was supposed to be an internal project for some sales folks at Diageo, just talking about the history of the brand and like, you know, the the, the about us page of every company is like the most boring page on the internet. So they somehow managed to take the history of this brand and turn it into this sort of incredibly artful thing that found an audience well beyond what it was intended to. And there's, there's examples of that everywhere. I mean, radio, no, you know, nobody looks at radio these days and thinks there was a creative opportunity. But then when you listen to some of the great radio work being done, you know, it's like a junior team would probably be put on that first, you know, and mm -hmm. that can be an opportunity as well. And so, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's, there's a lot to be learned, you know, from, from iconic work um, for folks just, just starting out. Love it. I love it. We actually had a guest, uh, Ben Majoy, uh, a couple episodes ago, probably from the time this is airing. He was tasked with the Taco Bell menu and re and re and created stories of the off the menu mm. as a creative experience where people would uh, would overlook as as an opportunity to. Yeah, to that sounds like a fascinating sort of media yeah piece of media to get to get to work on. Yeah, but yeah, so tagline podcast. Where can they find that on every taglinepodcast.com? And yeah, you can search on, you know, Apple or Spotify or anywhere else for tagline. Um, you'll see Ashley Epping's wonderful little uh, design that she did for the, for the show. And uh, we're, we're thrilled to be, you know, heading towards season two coming in February, but there's, there's plenty to listen to from season one as well. I love it. And uh, when is season two come out? So our goal, and I think it's going to happen is the, um, you know, the Super Bowl got pushed back this year to like, I think it's the 13th of February. So we're going to mm -hmm. probably launch a week after that. So somewhere around President's Day, like February 20th, 21st um, or 22nd, somewhere in there. So and this year we're going to do, I think, every other Monday instead of every Monday. So the oh, nice. season will stretch from February probably to the end of June. Uh, we're going to have 10 episodes and we've got a lot of really fun stuff coming. Like we're going to do an episode on Skittles and one on the Dove Sketches piece um yeah i mean there's just we're working on so many at once right now uh, but they're all coming together and i think there's going to be a nice mix um something for everyone yeah these they're really well produced and your storytelling is phenomenal so i highly recommend oh thank you well again if you saw my first drafts you know <laughs> even the first mixes i get back i have to i, I bother the editor by switching things around i mean you know again it's like building something from scratch it takes a long time and like the first iteration is often just not doesn't sound great I've, I've learned to be like i have to take a deep breath before listening to the first mix because i know i've screwed up a bunch of the storytelling and it doesn't flow properly and if you saw my google doc from like the round first round of fixes you'd be like you know it would not seem as 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 great as it turns out but i, I appreciate you saying that i do think that they're turning out well um and more than anything just getting these stories you know out of people i think these episodes will hopefully kind of live on and be sort of a 
a nice snapshot of, of a special moment that, that each of these brands has had. Absolutely. So now I want to back it up and talk more so about uh, the Clio uh, organization and then Muse by Clio specifically. Sure. Yeah. So take it from there, like, because Muse by Clio, you started or you helped start? Uh, I did start it. Yeah. So the story there was, you know, I was, I'd spent a lot of time at Adweek, which, you know, is a great, it's a great magazine. Um, it's a great platform. They have a, they have a huge audience. I was looking to just sort of try something new, you know, at the time. And right. Uh, Nicole Purcell, who runs the Clio's, um, she and I had talked for a little while, um, you know, about what what would it, you know, what would it look like if we were to start something together and create a, you know, create uh, some sort of content division of the Clio's. So the Clio's, you know, they've been around, it's been around 60 years. It's sort of the preeminent, um, you know, um, advertising award show, certainly going back to the, you know, the, the, the 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, a famous scene in Mad Men that takes place at the Clio's and Clio's are, have been a part of American pop culture in a way that, you know, all the other advertising shows out there, you know, can one show DNAD, all great organizations too, but they just haven't been uh, in American pop culture the way that That's, the Clio's have. Right. Being in, <clears throat> being in, in the world here in advertising, we, I know I'm familiar with all the other awards, but what I'm, how has the Clio transcended those boundaries? Well, the Clio's were on television for a long time, you know, in the seventies and eighties and, I think it was just, you know, it was it was much more well known to American audiences than any of these other shows. A lot of these other shows sort of arrived a bit later as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously the advertising awards uh, landscape is there's there's plenty of shows now, um, but I think the Clio does hold sort of a special place that you know um, people know it, and, and folks just in the regular world who not not in advertising probably know Clio's more than yep. they know any other one. And, uh, you know, I just had a, I had a good relationship with Nicole. So we decided to, you know, give it a try and start something from scratch. I mean, my, my situation in 2018 was, you know, Adweek, um, they obviously had a very mature content business and they were trying to get more into awards and events themselves. And that was sort of the growth area at the time for, for that magazine. And to me, you know, I, I'm, I focus more on content than awards or events. So uh, coming to the Clio's was great because they have a very mature events and awards business and they were, you know, they, they saw their growth area being content. So it was a good fit, you know, it was a good fit for me. It was a good fit for them. And we launched Muse in the summer of 2018 and we've kind of been building it, you know, ever since we have, you know, we have a lot of franchises on the site, you know, content franchises that, that the, the trades don't really have necessarily. I mean, the big difference is where we cover creative uh, work only uh, or creativity uh, only so that we don't cover personnel news, generally speaking. We don't cover uh, account shifts, generally, unless it's sort of extraordinary or has a has a creative impact. Uh, and that's really what we focused on. And we've, you know, we, we focus on creative work, we focus on creative ideas, and then we try to, you know, have a little different spin on on creativity as well. So we have, you know, we have series like Art of the Album, where we ask people to talk about their 10 favorite album covers. And we have you know, workspace series where people talk about their offices and how they how their offices sort of foster creativity. Uh, we have you know a few different video interview series. We have Black Tea, which is with uh, Black women in advertising. We have Long Story Short, which is with emerging talent, mostly uh, filmmakers and, and editors. So I think our content mix is a little different, um, but it all goes back to the the Clio DNA of you know celebrating creative people, creative work. So it's a nice synergy and. 
Uh, I work with Dave Janatazio, Angela Natividad, uh, Amy Kaur, like three three folks who are you know wonderful at what they do, and the four of us kind of tackle this this stuff together. We're a very small team, you know, compared to the trades for sure, um, but we feel like we're carving out kind of a niche on our own, and the the podcast is part of that. The different content franchises we have are part of that too. So yeah, we feel like we're different, and 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 we feel like we're you know getting getting some attention, which is nice as well. How are you guys looking to grow? What are you, what's your vision? Well, you know, the Clio organization is certainly, you know, the, we're part of that. So their growth strategy is our growth strategy. So um, it's, you know, primarily built around the awards. You know, that's that's the, the, the vast majority of our revenue. So we we certainly support the awards in many ways. You know, we do content around the awards. We uh, we help drive entries, I think, you know, just getting, getting Clio into the conversation in the ad business every day. Okay. Um, creates, you know, a halo effect that hopefully helps entries. I think it does. Um, Muse is also, you know, generating its own revenue nowadays. So we have sponsors on the site and we have sponsors of the podcast. And, uh, you know, so we are also driving towards being our own self-sustaining uh, piece of the but business. But there's, there's no paywall on Muse, correct? There's no paywall. Um, n- not to say we would never have a paywall. I mean, I understand the pressures that yeah, digital media businesses have. Um, we have them too. Uh, we're lucky though to be part of a business that, um, you know, currently the the awards uh, help us not have a paywall. So we have we can welcome more people and do it and do it that way. Um, but yeah, we currently do not have have a paywall. Maybe one day. Gotcha. I want to go over. Um, you recently published an article called "The Year in Creativity." For 2021, 100 takes on the year's best and brightest ideas, which is an interesting article. You interviewed 100 people, uh, or you might have had some help too. But um, yeah, what, what were some of the main trends from 2021 that you noticed interviewing these people? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, like it's been a weird couple of years, right, with COVID, and I think you know, uh, 2021 to me, the overarching trend was sort of an emergence from 2020, where Productions and strategies were kind of locked down, and and there was a lot of uncertainty. A measure of normality came back this year, um, but really, what that piece was about, and those are, you know, I did all the reporting for that, and those are, you know, many friends of mine in the business contributed to that piece, and and just a lot of agencies that I have a lot of respect for, and we really just asked them, you know, what was your favorite piece of work that you made this year, and what was your favorite piece that someone else made, and that, and, and then. We we asked them also for kind of a prediction for the coming year. So yeah. the piece is really about you know um, the story is really about individual pieces of creative work and what you know why they worked, why they were interesting. So yeah. I mean, for a hundred folks, there were some duplicates here and there, but not many. I mean, a few pieces like you know the lost class that changed the ref did that came up a bunch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think what you could take away from twenty twenty one is that. Um, marketers stepped away from the sort of short-term tactical survival strategies that they that a lot of them had in 2020, and started to think a little bit, a little bigger again. Yeah. With, you know, brand ideas that will hopefully drive some growth in business. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I think if you look at uh, both Adweek and Adage came out with their um, their best ads of the year for 2021. I looked through those pieces, and it's clear that you know this past year did not have as many, you know, even. 2020 didn't either, by the way, but like didn't have a ton of really big, well-respected, you know, uh, commercials or productions. So I think, you know, we're still in that phase where 
it's a little bit on the on the smaller side. Not to say there wasn't great work being done because there was, but it was it was you know, I think in different different media platforms, um, not necessarily the big film productions we've seen, you know, 2019 and before. Yeah, yeah. What about 2022? Any predictions? Oof. And I don't know. We're 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 knee deep in Omicron as we record this, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. Like, I think we've all learned to get along in this in this world that we're currently in. I think you know, advertising is getting made again, and you know, I hope that you know what the one thing I think has been really missing from advertising in the last couple of years is just you know the sense of humor, and we get a little bit of that. Uh, of course, purpose is very important and companies need to do that and need to really care about more than making money. I think that's, you know, that's been made clear over the last few years. But also, I just feel like advertising should be fun. You know, like, where's the comedy? Where's the humor? Where's the sort of not taking yourself so seriously? You know, if you're somebody who, you know, encounters an ad in the world, you know, it should sort of be worth your time to engage with it. It should be entertaining. It should be you know, give you a smile or, or a laugh. And, and like, I think humor is such a, in difficult times, like we're going through humor is, I think, you know, a, a great coping mechanism and a healing, you know, thing and just a fun thing. And, and I'd like to see more advertisers really try to get back to that instead of taking themselves so seriously, maybe, maybe 2021 or 2020, maybe 2022 will be time for that. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we will. Hopefully. Um, now, I, I want to get into some advice for our aspiring advertisers. You've covered creativity for a long time. You've talked to some of the best in the business. Um, you know, What are some of the common trends or personalities or skills that you've seen in those that are successful in the industry that you, you, you should tell our audience to learn as soon as possible? Well, you know, I would, I would preface this by saying I've never worked in the industry. I, you know, I don't really understand what it takes to become successful within the industry. And, you know, I cover great work, but I know it's, you know, a lot goes on behind the scenes. To me, the folks that are most successful are, are the ones that are generally the most curious and the ones that sort of, you know, are able to find what makes us, you know, the commonalities that bring us together and, and, and express that in the work, you know, like, I think, you know, looking back and again, tagline factors into this too. If you, you know, if you look at the kinds of campaigns that we've covered, there's always some sort of truth at the bottom of it, you know, that's, that's very universal in some way, like a human truth. And so being open to those and then just absorbing as much as you can. And I, and I would say not just, you know, industry media. I mean, as, as much as I would love everyone to be on Muse every day and listening to every, you know, podcast that we do, I think it's just more about just being, you know, engrossed in culture and just, you know, being aware of, of what's happening in the world and, and being inspired by that stuff. And so the, yeah, the most, the people I've, I think have the most success are the ones that are just naturally drawn to the most uh, disparate and diverse uh, inputs, you know, and I think that's really helpful. And then, yeah, learning the history of the business, I think is, is helpful too, just to see what's been done and to see um, the different types of strategies that have, that have been deployed in different, in different industries. I think that's useful. So, you know, getting involved in ad Twitter and getting involved in, you know, some of the award shows and just being a part of the industry, but, but also having an aperture that's like a, a bit bigger than just the industry, uh, I think it's really helpful. And then just being a good person, you know, like, 
advertising certainly has had problems through the years, um, you know, with different characters and it needs to get, it needs to get more diverse. It needs to get, you know, uh, less insular. Um, and, and we're making progress in that regard. You know, it used to be a, a boys club and that's, that's changed hugely. And, and we need to, uh, you know, we need to now make sure that diversity uh, is, you know, it's an embarrassment right now, the industry in terms of its diversity. So addressing that, you know, it's only going to help your business uh, to address that as well. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of issues, but if you, if you're a person coming in, I think just being open, you know, uh, absorbing culture, being, being interested in, in all different types of culture, uh, that's probably step one um, to being a great creative. Do you see a lot of uh, creatives transitioning over to uh, the journalism side, what you do, more the covering of creativity? I've seen it more the other way. I've seen, I've seen a lot of uh, reporters uh, go to agencies um, over the last 10 years, um, which I think is interesting. Um, it is interesting. Not a ton coming the other way. I think most, most folks in the, in the advertising journalism space are coming from a journalistic background. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it is interesting having, you know, the point of view from where we come from, um, seeing a lot of stuff every day versus working on three or four accounts and having your head down on those accounts, you know, it gives you a bit more of a, bird's eye view, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of friends uh, of mine from, from ad week and, and ad age are now doing, are doing great um, at different agencies, which yeah. Is Have you ever thought about making the crossover? You know, I have not really. Um, I mean, it's, it crossed my mind here and there, but you know, I, I love to write. Um, I love, you know, journalism. I, I love, you know, this whole podcast thing has given me another, um, sort of some more wind in my sails in terms of different yeah. types of storytelling. You know, I spent many years writing 500 to 800 word stories. And, you know, these are 10,000, 12,000 word scripts that I'm doing now for this podcast. And it's been a different type of challenge. Um, it takes a long time to get one made, you know, like Dosecki's, I think we interviewed a dozen people um, over the course of several months. And then, you know, you've got 12 um, long transcripts that you, then have to sort of piece together into a story that makes sense. And that's really challenging and takes a long time. And I've learned to uh, have a little more patience maybe than you would need to, to write a 500 word story. So mm -hmm. that's been good for me. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, also I don't really have clients, so journalism's probably better. <laughs> yeah. How many people are on your production team for this podcast? I'm curious. Uh, well, it's really just myself and the editor. Um, wow. So Lane uh, McGibbon, he's my editor. He's down in Alabama. He's wonderful. Um, he's been doing a great job um, on this on this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I have some colleagues, obviously, at Clio's who you know, have, have great feedback on each episode before we finalize it. And uh, Ashley, I mentioned Ashley Upping, who's the – she's the art director of Muse by Clio. She also um, runs the Clio program on the award side. She's a incredibly talented and has has been wonderful um, in terms of providing um, design work for us and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we're having a great time with it, and and you know, I think it could last for a few more years. We'll see. As long as there's good creative work out there, I there's think plenty of it, right? Like yeah. you, you know, I mean, if you go back to even just going back to like say 2000, right? Like 20 years. I mean, there's so many, there's probably, there's probably a couple hundred campaigns you could do. 
Oh yeah. So, so you you've got the content. And yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, it's you know, it's yeah. great. I, I always wonder if people really want to stick around for an hour because these are about an hour long. I think half hour is, you know, we had this talk internally like, oh, isn't half hour kind of more digestible? But you know, you can't tell these stories in, in a half an hour really. Like, it's, you know, the stories are as long as they are just because that's the story. Like, that's, right. If you cut, you know, if you cut them out, I mean, we've done a few that are like 40 minutes that work fine. Uh, but the more I do these, the longer they seem to get, actually, which I'm not sure that's a great sign. But Well, uh, they need to be as long as they need to be. I think that's the only case. And I'll pick it. I mean, I can't always finish it on one one listen, but I'll pick right back up. And it's easy to pick right back up. Yeah. Well, and I think it's worth, you know, like like you say, you know, the folks who are into it are are, are really into it. So I think it's worth sort of giving giving them a little bit more and having it be a bit more detailed because who knows, you know, which parts you're going to different people will find value in. So, you know, there's, I like to balance it out with as much, you know, kind of entertainment value as well as insight as I can and have it be kind of a mix of the two. Um, and yeah, I've got a few coming this spring that I'm really excited about. This Skittles one is really interesting. What's the Skittles campaign? Well, it's the, you know, it's the old uh, Blank the Rainbow that's been running for 20 years okay. now. It started yeah. in 2004. Um, oh, what agency did that? It was shot at New York, so Jerry okay. Graff and you know, oh, of course, Scott Patron, Ian Reichenthal, those guys. I'm trying to get Jerry on the podcast, so if you can tell him, so Jerry's wonderful. I mean, he's so articulate about the creative process. I mean, perfect. It's amazing to to kind of chat with him about, yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting about Skittles again, it's like you think of that stuff as a creatively driven, kind of wacky creative campaign, but it was really driven by strong strategy. You know, like. They really Absolutely. dug deep into the, the the teenager circa 2004 when that campaign started. And, you know, the pop culture at the time was this weird mix of real and surreal. And, interesting. you know, the teens live at this intersection between the real and surreal, you know, like the sort of dreaminess of childhood, the reality of adulthood. They're kind of caught in between. And, like, you think about that campaign and how that really dug into that, you know, that transitional phase between what's mm -hmm. real and what's magical. and I mean, it's it's fascinating to to really hear how it was made, honestly. So, oh, I can't wait. Not just Jerry; it's all the all the creatives and you know the the guys that came later. You know, uh, Scott and and uh, and Eric. Um, I mean, it's it's remarkable stuff. So I, I, that one's great, and that's just one of ten that's coming this spring. So. Oh yeah, I, I'm excited. I I recently discovered the podcast, and I I'm now I'm hooked. So thank you. I appreciate sure. all appreciate of your work. How could um, people like reach out to you or, you know, find more information about yourself and all the work that you do on Muse? What's the best way? Well, certainly um, you can visit Muse, which is musebycleo.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Nud, uh, N-U-D-D, um, tim.nud at cleoawards.com. If you want to you know, shoot me a note, um, I get a lot of email, but I try to get to all of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Muse is sort of central to everything, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the tagline uh episodes pop up there too when they're when they're finished um so yeah i would check out muse first perfect well that's all i got i appreciate you coming on amazing thank you gino this has been really fun did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising strategy design the kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity if you did chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job 
That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. That's all one word, breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer, and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two. And a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency. And it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest.